0: Back to your weekly dose of shock therapy, brought to you by the State Again Network. I'm Tyler Lawrence. With me is my co-host Zach Alfers. What a what a weird end to the season. I mean, I was so pumped, looking forward <laughs> to playoffs, and then just like that, just like a snap of the finger, it's over. The season is done, and I'm exhausted because that I, game took so much out of my being. It was just insane. What do you think of the game on Sunday, Zach?
1: Well, yeah, and no, I easily aged at least a decade from this weekend. Um, just so much emotional, um, physical turmoil that I went through. It, I was telling you, just like what of of course, an uh, up and down roller coaster of a season. We get this crazy, crazy, insane game. Um, I, I, I'm really speechless. Like it from a football game like it was amazing the result is so heartbreaking such a letdown you know after all of these years we we we've talked about oh this team is different they're going to win close games just to lose a very close tight contested game to the worst possible opponent the Las Vegas Raiders uh there's just so many levels to it of why this hurts um but it's one of those losses that I think I, I yeah I'm going to keep hold on to this for Maybe the rest of my life. This one was tough.
0: This one is painful. I mean, was there a better game in the season than this in for any team out there? Any like nothing was more exciting than watching Justin Herbert like convert six of like seven fourth downs, which is just insane. It hasn't been done in like 30 years. You know, the yeah. very last play of the fourth quarter when Justin Herbert threw that that touchdown to, like, tie the game on the final play, like, the the height, right? I am yelling and screaming at my TV to the point where I blacked out, (laughs) fell down on the floor, and my wife is looking at me like, what are you, what's going on? And I had, like, (laughs) come to, like, you ever had, like, uh, I don't know, like, the wind knocked out of you, or, like, I don't know, like, I blacked out, dude, I was just like, (laughs) oh, my God, because I was yelling so yeah. loud at my TV my neighbors <laughs> had to hate me because I'm just <laughs> jumping up and down like that was the peak of the season for me that was the absolute very peak of the entire season and it had me so pumped I'm like man we're still in this it's a game and then I pass out
1: <laughs> <laughs> that's that's funny because I know I've had a similar experience <laughs> I didn't quite pass out but All of the energy I expelled for that comeback from the fourth quarter, by the overtime period, I was laid out in my middle in the middle of my living room, fully outstretched. Um, I couldn't really cheer anymore because I was so drained. I I remember my girlfriend walked into the room and she's looking at me. She's like, are you okay?" And I'm like, yeah, I'm just really stressed. And like, I must have looked like, you know, Patrick Starr from SpongeBob in that episode where he goes to, where they go to Sandy's uh, dome and they get dehydrated. (laughs) Do you know what I'm talking about? That's that was me watching the game. That was me. Uh, Yeah.
0: (laughs) I exerted so much energy, man. It was just, it was such a fun game to watch from beginning to end. And I mean, the first half, the chargers run defense was actually really strong all the way through though. I mean, this game was so exciting And, you know, just the the energy of that game was just unreal and had so many
1: highs and lows. What a cap to a really unreal season, you know, overall, a lot of craziness, a lot of teams in the playoffs that really shouldn't be, um, you know, a lot of crazy storylines. It was really a, a good cap to a crazy year. Unfortunate the Chargers couldn't get it done. It really is.
0: You know, and then, like, you look at, like, the, like, this is their final game if they lose, right? And I, I really honestly feel, and I, I know it's kind of cliche to say it, but I feel like they all left it out on the field. Like, gave it everything they had. Both teams exhausted. And, you yeah. know, I I hate the Raiders, but kudos to the Raiders for they played the this the game. season. Because it's not even just, like... Them making the playoffs, but it's all the stuff that happened to them. I mean, you change your coach, right? In the the beginning of the season, after all of this, I mean, we all have heard about the John Gruden issue that ended up happening with all the emails and everything. Uh, they have their their first round draft pick who, you know, just destroys his entire life over the this drunk driving car accident. One of the most grueling. Things that I've ever seen. I know Nate Hobbs had a DUI just like two weeks ago. Not you know, that long
1: ago. He's still not that sobering up.
0: Oh, uh, and then they lose Darren Waller for like half the year. Um, you know this
1: team went through so much, and then and then we lost John Madden Raiders. And then yeah, you lose legend. John
0: Madden just weeks ago. Just weeks ago. I mean. For them to still come together with all this noise in the background and still come through. And I'm I'm not this isn't a a Raiders podcast, right? Like, Uh, I'm still not a fan of the Raiders, but I am a fan of the fact that they were able to block out all that noise and still come together as a team and and make the playoffs. Now, granted, I think they go home next week, but still like what Uh,
1: I I guess to yeah, to your point, like it needs to be respected uh, what they did. They played the game of the season um, with the game on the line and they executed. I mean, and they they came out with so much energy, you know, 10, nothing building, rocking. I thought it was going to be one of those quick games to the way that game was started out, did not look good for the chargers, you know, credit the chargers for being able to regain, you know, the momentum and make a push, but it seemed to be all Raiders at the beginning, um, and, and that's how they prepared. They were ready to win that game and, and and more times than we were, and that's why they pulled it up.
0: I mean, kudos to Derek Carr finally making the playoffs and actually getting to play <laughs> in that game. Um, he wasn't, like, spectacular or anything, right? Like he twenty just did thirty six. He just did enough, and, and he's always been that quarterback who could do enough. Um they have a phenomenal defense. They they really do, right? And I think that's kind of what got them in into the playoffs. Is they have some playmakers there. I mean, I, I believe uh the linebacker uh, Denzel Perryman, I think he's leading the league in tackles, which is exactly. insane. Well,
1: wow. good friend. And
0: then you got Casey Hayward, and these are all former chargers, but Casey Hayward had a tremendous bounce back year uh, and he got some revenge. He got that interception there. Uh I think ultimately I don't feel like the the Raiders beat us. I feel like we beat ourselves, but um former Chargers doing big things over there. Well, I mean, you had former... the Andre Roberts fumble on on the, you know, the kick return or it was a punt that really was just shot yourself in the foot there. Like that's such a terrible call there. The Chris Harris Jr. Uh, pass interference in, in the end zone when the ball wasn't even near him, by that was the way. So
1: bad, 15 Christmas yards,
0: Jr. Terrible, terrible,
1: terrible,
0: terrible game. Awful, god, he played so bad. I think that was his last game. I don't know, man. Like, there's so many storylines in this game. You could talk about <laughs> the final drive where fourth down after fourth down you have all of these different like penalties that are helping keep the chargers alive. Like the fact that they were able to still get down there. And I feel like that final drive was just so long. Yeah. For me,
1: this game, I call them, it's two things in particular. Um, For one, our, our past offense had, I'm calling them Jekyll and Hyde performances because Our pass offense, how we began, unexistent, finished incredible. On the flip side of that, started really hot, finished horribly, our run defense. Um, So first, we'll just start with the pass offense. For the first nine drives, it wasn't until the final two drives, the last drive of the fourth quarter and the the drive of overtime that Keenan Allen or Mike Williams did anything in this game. Through the first nine drives, those guys combined for nine catches, 67 yards, and we threw their way eighteen times. Like, and how many of
0: those were drops? Oh my god, the drops in this game.
1: Well, I think both of them only own Keenan only dropped one, which was a crucial third down. Oh
0: yeah, it bounced drive. right off of his and chest. And then Mike
1: Mike dropped one. But um a lot of it was it was mostly good. Def uh it was mostly good defense now the, being the raiders being able to remove those guys like that was a big part of why we were down a lot of this game and I, I, they were just they were not even they it, they should, might as well not have been on the field for those first nine drives how because they were just not, not a factor now those last two drives they were unreal you know their superstar came out Six catches, 104 yards, and the game tie and touchdown between the two of them. Of those six catches, we had two fourth and longs, the three, uh, another third and long conversion. Um, It was a pretty epic way to redeem yourself, but it was just, it just came a little too late, you know? Um, And then the run defense, you were talking about it. It wasn't just the first quarter. We had Josh Jacobs locked up through the first four quarters of play. He just had 63 yards on 19 carries in the, the first four quarters of play that's a 3.3 yard per carry average we've held we've only hit, held teams under that mark five times this year we're and four that's and a one good it,
0: back to really it's keep good yeah we
1: had them we had them locked up and you know when we hit that mark Chargers are four and one this season it was a good you know per, you know indicator that we were going to be successful in those last two overtime drives Jacobs was insane he more than doubled his offensive production. He added 69 yards and just seven carries 9.8 or 9.86 yards per carry through the overtime drives with those big 18 yard gains. Then the 20 28 yard gain after the Staley timeout to set up the Carlson game winner. Like it, it was these Jekyll and Hyde performances that have, have plagued us all year. We've had hot starts, horrible finishes, on the other side, we'll, we'll start hot and then let it dissipate in the third quarter where we have to come back in in the fourth. So it, the fact that we were in so many games, I think, is a credit to the the talent on this roster. We got to figure out how to be more consistent if we want to get to the playoffs, if we want to compete for Super Bowls, because just this up and down, I think, has, has really kept this team from getting in the playoffs, we were just so hot and cold, right? Start the year four and one just to end the year one and four. Like it, uh, you know, got to get some more consistency moving forward.
0: You know, the consistency all year long. I mean, you come off of like really good games, really high games like out of the Browns. And then you just go and just drop a dud against, like, the Ravens the next week, right? Like, and then you lose to a team like Houston. And then you come back and blow out the Broncos, like, the consistency. Mm-hmm. And this isn't a podcast. This isn't a podcast where we're going to break down the season. We're going to do that in coming weeks. But, I mean, looking just overall, the the things that killed us this game were the things that really killed us the entire season. Yeah. Right? That's Six uh, drops. Yeah. Six drops in this game. You had two by Jalen Guyton, one by Justin Jackson, one by Keenan Allen, one by Jared Cook, one by Austin Eckler. But it's just like – and then you have, like, these crazy plays where, you know, the ball bounces up in the air and Austin Eckler comes down with it for a first down. Yeah, like, that was just crazy. Just, like, insane. And then you look at, like, Justin Herbert's throws into the end zone, the the touchdown to Josh Palmer. Um, that was a strike that traveled so far on a bullet in the tiniest window it could possibly get in. You know, Justin Herbert's big time throws this game, he had 33, I want to say 33 completed passes, and I want to say a good 10 of them were like big, big throws. I mean, the Mike Williams at the end of regulation, I mean, he could not have thrown that any more perfect, any better timing in a more clutch situation. And, you know, it's funny Is I've been looking uh, everywhere and, and, you know, Justin Herbert finished as a top five quarterback. Many think that he finished top three behind Tom Brady and Aaron Rodgers. And it's these big time throws and him coming through when it matters the most. Is there a more clutch player where you need to have it, he gets it to you? Is there a more clutch guy in the entire NFL today than Justin Herbert?
1: Well, and I, I think if you, you mentioned those other guys, they're the top of, they're one and two seeds in the NFC playoff picture, right? They made it. I think a credit to your point, there's a reason why the Chargers led the league in fourth down conversions. They got a guy in, in Justin Herbert that everybody believes in. Defense, special, everybody believes in him. And I think it. it we, we want to question Staley's you know, decision making to go for it on fourth down. It's really hard not to go for it when you got a guy like Justin Herbert who can easily complete 75% of his passes if you just give him, if you just hold on to the ball. It, there's no way a wide receiver core led by Keenan Allen, led by Mike Williams, who just had this resurgence of a year. How the heck did we leave the league and drop passes? 33 completions to be, I'm going to call them completions to be because they're strikes from Herbert. They're right in your hands, and you're dropping them. That's five more than the next closest team being the Pittsburgh Steelers. On top of that, like we deserve it to this fan base and to Justin Herbert to put a complete team around him. He, he's only been in the league for two years. This guy gets no type of defensive support. 19 of his 32 career starts so far, his defense has allowed 27 or more points. That has to improve. And what's so crazy about that 27-point mark that's how much our defense gave up on average to opposing offenses—twenty-seven points per game. That's slightly better than the New York Jets, who are the worst defense in the league. Marginally better than the Houston or than the Detroit Lions, who are not very good. And it's the exact same amount points per game that the Atlanta uh, Falcons give up. Worse than the twenty-eight remaining NFL franchises. Come on. And what's crazy about that is that the fact that we are the third worst scoring defense we were a top 5 scoring offense we got the pieces defense has to come up just just if it gets marginally better we're in in a position to win you know 12 games a year
0: and it's just it's just crazy with all of the drops i mean 33 pff has them at 38 but look at a team like i don't know like the let's go with like the rams right like the rams had a pretty dynamic passing offense that mm-hmm. You're headed by, by Matthew Stafford. And, and mean, one of the most it,
1: dominant receiver performances like we've ever seen. Cooper yeah, was like was an one absolute of the most, beast.
0: Absolute most dominant. And they apparently they had 35 drops, but nine of those were Van Jefferson. Well, Keenan Allen had the nine. Like, the wrong player yeah. had the nine, right? Cooper Cup had seven, but how many targets did he have? You know, on that team, like it's just it's so bad when you look at all of the drops because Justin Herbert, you know, you cut those drops in half. He goes for fifty-five, six thousand yards this season, <laughs> right? Like, and he- you know, he finished the regular season second in passing yards. Behind Paul who? Ray by the way, above him, and had like so many more attempts. Like it's it's just insane when you look at the Chargers shooting themselves in the foot. And the Chargers offense, I mean, they moved the ball extremely well this season over the course of the entire season. And I feel like there's still so much left out on the field. And I know, like, they, you know, they played their hearts out against this, you know, Raiders team in the final game of the season. But if they would have played like that the entire season without shooting themselves in the foot, I mean, the offense really carried... The Chargers a long, long way. I mean, when you're scoring 27, 28, 29 points a game, that's a recipe to win. If you can get your defense to just be marginally better, marginally better, and it's the run defense that really killed them. I mean, when I mean w- one of the plays that sticks out in my mind, it sticks out in everybody's mind, is the the third and twenty nine, or yeah, oh my third gosh.
1: and twenty
0: nine, and you give up. A first down on a run like that?
1: Yeah, that was bad.
0: (laughs) That was like one of the worst with with Derwin James right there in the middle to to make the play and then like he rolls over for the first down and it's just like, Wow, what is going on with this team? Like (laughs) and I'm used to it because the chargers always find creative ways to lose games. Right? Always. It's just in the DNA of being a Charger. It's something about the powder blues that just makes you find creative ways to lose big games. Any games, but just it's just it's heartbreaking being a Charger. It is.
1: It is, but I think if if there's one, you know, positive thing that we could take away from a loss like this is that this one not only does it hurt the fans, but you could see, you know, the players emotions they did not they they felt it to their core like imagine you know we just watch the games they have to play it and live it it hurts them and they have felt it and these are one of those losses that if you channel it properly this can spark a super bowl run if they can hold on to it and feel like i don't ever want to feel like this again because they have the talent you know and, and if anybody have you seen the um the video of, of staley addressing the team on monday
0: yeah, so I I've seen this the video and I also got a chance to watch at least a portion of his exit interview. Um, but man, like I, the players wanted it, and I, you know, it's a it's a shock to to all of them and to everybody really. Everybody's shocked that we lost this game because yeah. nobody want, was ready for the season to be over. Nobody, no. I was not ready. The players were not ready, and you know it sucks being on Twitter and seeing all the goodbye messages. Right. Yeah. But I mean, it seems overall that the players are all looking forward to next season. Like, you know, like uh, Keenan Allen was saying like this, the culture has changed around here. Like it's, it's a different culture. Even players who may not even be on this team next season are like talking about, we're going to be ready. We're going to be ready. The mindset, even for the guys like Justin Jones, who who could not be yeah. here next season, Nwosu, um, you had the long snapper, who is like talk, like everybody's talking, like they're coming back next season, and they're all just seem hungry. Yeah, everybody seems hungry.
1: I, well, and I love all of that, and I guess back to what I was I was saying. Not only does it inspire, for inspire this team in the future, but it also puts pressure on this front office to realize how successful this offense was compared to how awful and porous of this defense. And remember this time last year, we were like, we need to go full in on the offensive line and revamp this thing. Well, we got some ballers this year on the offensive line. I think this year it has to be full on on the defensive line. To rebuild and here is where i am very excited because the defensive line has a generational talent in joey bosa that the offensive line didn't have and it has pieces you know nuosu fackrell it has pieces that this offensive line didn't have if you get me a dominant defensive tackle and some pass rush depth that's all this defensive line needs it doesn't need a fee- full rebuild like the offensive line but an exposing, you know, just demoralizing loss like this, it puts pressure on Tom Telesco to say, hey, this is our biggest weakness. We need to fix it.
0: Yeah, I mean, that offensive line, though, still has holes all on the right side. And I'm looking yeah. at like Storm Norton, right, as somebody who could potentially come back as a depth type player. And I'd totally love for him to be a depth player. I'm a little afraid that he's going to just come in as the starter next season. But then you also lost Odeabushi there. This, You know, it's funny is when you look at this team overall and you look at, like, how well they performed, then you realize that half the team is a free agent right now, right? Like, we have so many big-time pieces. And so next season, I almost feel like we're going to be starting over, right? Like, we're going to bring all these guys back in to, like, learn a new defense and try to install. And, you know... I don't want to see a ton of turnover. Like, I'd love to bring Euchenna Nuosu back because, I mean, you know, he uh, he messaged me. <laughs> I said, uh, I said that you know, Nuosu was one of our as an honorable mention, one of our most improved players, but he's a little inconsistent from from game to game. And I don't mean that, Euchenna, if you're listening. <laughs> I don't mean that in a way that's like you know be- good play versus bad play. Like, I legitimately mean it in terms of like him having a good game and having just an outstanding game like they're like he has yet to actually be one of those guys that takes over a game and has a pretty high second round pick like that's what you drafted him for and he played extremely well against the run and you know it's really weird was when you look across this defense there's like names everywhere that are like big time names guys who played extremely well this season but you know it's it's a game of inches and you know it's little little things create big plays right um but i'm i'm rambling here a little bit but <laughs> he uh, he kind of came after me a little bit it was like how am i playing inconsistent i'm like <laughs> i'm sitting happy. here and i'm like yeah your pressures are down man like your your ability like he plays the run really really well you know and, and i understand a lot of what he was asked to do is to contain right um, let Bosa kind of be the wild guy to go after the quarterback and, and he's playing a little more contained at least in, in the, the film that I studied. But I mean, he's somebody I would love to bring back as, you know, a, in Los Angeles grown, like, you know, football player. He's always been from high school to college, to the NFL, you know, um, I'd love to bring you back, back. God, I'd he love to bring you back.
1: He needs to come back. Kaiser white needs to come back to me to me those two guys those are foundational building block type of players and we've been waiting for both of them kind of to come you know have their coming out seasons and i think we kind of saw it like i I want both of those guys back 42 and 44 to me are building block not because of the talent but they are energy players right kaiser white we've seen it all year um where he's just like the mini DJ, you know, the linebacking version of DJ, where he can do, do a little bit of everything. He's our best cover linebacker, and he's our best run stuff in linebacker. You he don't think that uh, uh,
0: Kenneth Murray's our best coverage linebacker?
1: No I'll guarantee. You, nope. I don't know if Kenneth Murray's our best anything at this point, and it's not even like a, and it's not even like a, a, a slight. It's more of like a, you know, inspiration into action. Like I, I, I would love to see the kid you know you know i i want the rookie version back of kenneth murray you know we were talking all year about the 2020 um the the 2020 draft pick sophomore slump coming and we just picked the wrong draft pick herbert didn't have it the sophomore slump came and her hit k9 heavy and now it's a second season i was season. so high on k9 at the we beginning of the
0: season man like i play. was i was all into him i thought he was going to have like a pro bowl all pro caliber, you, you have you this your, monster
1: sleeper for fifth, um, defensive player of the year most candidate. tackles in
0: the season. Like, I picked him for that, <laughs> and man, was that I? God, let me pull my foot out of my mouth here for a second. <laughs> but you know what? I'm high on really athletic, aggressive linebackers. but you know, his technique and things is kind of what hurt him a little bit, his ability at getting off blocks because. Honestly, that's what you'd expect him to be good at.
1: Yeah. Right. Well, and that's the thing: the the unteachables, like the explosiveness, the athleticism he has. Block shedding is teachable, um, and when he's in his second season, playing all over the place, he doesn't have a he didn't have a position this year. So, let's get him you know another a full off season with with this coaching staff. I I just think it's way too early. And he's way too talented to give up on at this point. But I, I, we can all admit that the product that was put on the field from Kenneth Murray was is just, you know, underwhelming.
0: It really was believe. underwhelming. And, you know, next next offseason, I'm going to be just as high on him because he's got those intangibles. I'm going to be That's, so high
1: on Kenneth Murray. I haven't given up. No, I, I what the, the potential there is, I think, what is exciting to all of us. Right. You, you don't. There's not a whole lot of athletes at his caliber, so it's just fine-tuning things, and if anybody could be able to figure it out, it's going to be Brandon Staley. But with that being said, there was no reason in this game in particular why Kenneth Murray, number two, you know, in his second season, should have been out-snapping Kaiser White, our best coverage linebacker, went the game on the line. Our best
0: linebacker against the run, our best
1: linebacker against, like he was such a
0: big part of this defense. I would say that he might have even had a bigger impact than Joey Bosa did. Derwin James was the most impactful player, MVP of the defensive side of the ball, without a doubt. But Kenneth Murray, honestly, was a close second.
1: Like Kaiser. the things
0: that he was able to do, his explosiveness at getting after the ball carrier, see ball, get ball. Joey Bosa to me is third on that list of like impactful players in this defense because I the I don't know how Kaiser doesn't make the Pro Bowl this season as as just like the the most tiniest of awards that he could have gotten. You know, he's nearing like an All Pro level caliber of play, and he doesn't have the big name, which no. is what hurt him with the Pro Bowl, right? big names are the ones that make that. I, I don't even know who the pro bowl linebackers are, but Fred Warner, for instance, right? Like big name, big stats type of guy. And, and Kaiser white had just a phenomenal, phenomenal season, at least to me, a top five to seven linebacker. Cause he
1: was everywhere. That's interesting. All though, over the place. That he finished with, I just, it, it, it doesn't really mean much, but I just love, you know, uh, coincidences like this but he finished with 144 tackles just interesting that he wears 44 it is and that's a lot of tackles tackles. 8th most in the league from linebackers 53 run stops the fourth most my linebackers that like you said it the numbers support it I I need I need Kyter White and I need Uchenna Nwosu signed and if we're talking about necessary and home free agents that need to be retained Mike Williams needs to be added to that list as well
0: so let's talk about these wide receivers a little bit. We talked about the drops. Uh, Josh Palmer really was impressive, right? Like Josh Palmer came down with some big time touchdowns.
1: He was clutch.
0: Um, he was so clutch. And I, and it makes me a little nervous because with his resurgence, right? With his like, especially deep down toward the end of the season, like he was used a lot more and he was,
1: mm-hmm.
0: he was very reliable. Like, Oh my gosh, he was so, so reliable does that make Mike Williams a little, you know, redundant? And, and, you know, if you're looking at Mike Williams, Mike Williams is bigger, he plays bigger, he plays stronger, but Josh Palmer is like a a mini version of him. who could develop into that at a way, way cheaper price.
1: Yeah. I I kind of, I kind of think it's it's similar to your kind of take on the charger DB room where I, I, I saw you getting into, you know, back and forth on, on Twitter. Um, Michael about Michael Davis. About Michael Davis, and I think it's one of those things. It's, it, it's a it's a position. It's a position. A premium position where you can't have too many great no. players at. And I think what we are develop, what we are seeing in Josh Palmer is is a, a bright future, but he's not there yet. And right now, there is nobody in the NFL better than the contested deep ball than Mike Williams, and he proved it this year. He, he is not just that receiver. That's why he has a career year over a thousand yards and whatnot. He is the best at that, and he stayed healthy this year um, for the first time in his career um, with a new coaching staff that prioritizes health. Because that was his biggest knock, right? He he puts his body on the line and then gets hurt. He's healthy. We might, yeah. Uh, I don't he think it's redundant so because much he's from so last good. Season,
0: is season two, right?
1: Right, and I think it's it's not redundant because he's so good at what he does. Um, even there, there'll will, it, it will, it'll take years of Josh Palmer being in the league, being this productive for him to ke- to even get close to the realm of receiver that Mike Williams is right now. Right now, he is the number seven overall pick that we all drafted him to be. He's a legit number one, and it took him five years
0: to get there. But five he, years. he's years there, he's, he's there. there. You know. I I can actually come out and say this now. Like, I was not high on Mike Williams coming into the season, right? I thought he was very limited as just a deep ball threat, a really, really good deep ball threat. Yeah. But he refined a part of his game that I did not think he was going to be able to refine. Mm -hmm. That was his route running. He caught people like – and it's a little like you're not expecting it from this big guy. But, I mean, his stopping goes – uh, his ability, to body defenders in the short area of the field, and, and box them out. Right, uh, he really improved his weakest part of his game this season to a point that I, I totally wasn't even expecting because I was really, really low on bringing him back. And he is a better wide receiver than Josh Palmer, and he's getting, he's earned a contract. I know Spot Track has him at like seventeen point five million a year, is what they estimate his average to be, and I think he's going to get paid more than that. Um, if he does hit free agency. Now I'm yeah. I'm curious to know because he came out and he said like, I don't like change. I I've made lifelong friendships here in LA. I, I'd like to stay here in LA. That's good. For I him. wonder what his value is going to be to the chargers knowing that you're paying Keenan Allen, 20 million a year, knowing that you just signed a, a Josh Palmer in the, or just drafted a Josh Palmer in the third round last year. who's looking for more targets. And I, you know, Josh Palmer and Mike Williams on the outside with, Keenan Allen on the inside that's a dangerous matchup with you know Mike Williams further developed with Josh Palmer full more developed like that's a dangerous combo I just I'm you have all this cap space you have all these needs all over the roster and you have at least one superstar wide receiver and a new up-and-coming guy how valuable is that wide receiver to position to your team when you might actually feel like you have some guys on the roster who can you know, replace Mike Williams, at least partially.
1: Yeah, I, I guess I'm just to, you know, I, I'm all for re-signing Mike Williams, and I think the biggest reason I am is think about the most the most explosive offenses in the league right now. It's not just one guy.
0: No, it's it's not.
1: multiple guys. It, it, the good teams have at least two, um, and the really good teams have three or four. So it, you, you take Mike Williams away. We go back. We're regressing. You know, we are no longer a top five offense. Um, I don't think we're even near that conversation. I think we're bottom twenty, um, and that's being nice. I, I think he, his impact, his ability to, we, we we need Mike Williams retained because without the speed, with we, he's our he is in fact our our field stretcher. Jalen Guyton's developing there, but he's our big play potential right there. There's nobody else on the roster that has that explosiveness that can get us 50 yards when we need a 50-yard touchdown. Like, who else can do that?
2: Sheath underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you, the most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Promo code iHeart for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code iHeart. He's got a
0: lot of run after catch. He's got a lot of yak yards this and year, we're right? We're talking like about clutch.
1: We're talking about clutch performances though. Like even when he was inconsistent, Mike Williams game tying and, and game winning touchdowns, I feel like that's all the guy scores.
0: Oh man. You know, he Huge. was wide open a lot this season. And some of it's route running, some of it's scheme, but he came through in clutch. Mo- he won us multiple games. He won us the Browns game. He yeah. nearly won us the Raiders game. Like, you know, you, you look back the, even last season, like how many of those, those you gotta have at moments was he there for?
1: Well, and I'm just thinking he's mo- had multiple walk-offs against the chiefs. Um, the dude is clutch and well, and you're just watching him. he, he and he's just he's breathing heavy for the entire 2 minutes, the last two drives like that man in particular put everything that he had on the line and you saw it uh i don't yeah that man should be not have to walk voluntarily for the next 2 weeks like i mike williams if you need me to push you around in a wheelchair to rest your legs i would do that for you because that <laughs> he put so much you know, he
0: improved so much, you know, like last so year he had some big time moments. He didn't have the statistics to, to really back it up. Uh, you know, he led the team in receiving yards and you have my, uh, Keenan Allen as your, your. you know, everyone thinks Keenan Allen is the top five wide receiver, but he got outplayed at times by, by Mike Williams. And it goes unnoticed. That? Like people notice the big time plays, but it's the, the you know, third and 15 coming down. And and moving the chains, or it's like the you know that final hell Mary toss at the end of regulation that you know he's he's getting you down the field and giving you at least a chance. He threw really clutch, and you know that's worth bringing back. And then when you do think about it, like those teams that are are great, those those teams that have three wide receiver ones, you know, you think of Tampa, right? You yeah. think of the Rams with Cooper Cup, Robert Woods, and now you added. Um, Odell Uh, Odell Beckham. By the way, I I, I do just want to bring this up. Eric Weddle coming
1: down? (laughs) Oh, my God. Eric Weddle's in the playoffs. Chargers aren't, but Eric Weddle is. Yeah, you know, I I think I've been trying to just take, you know, bits. This loss was so demoralizing. Like, I'm just trying to look for things to lift my spirit, and that was one I was so happy Excited for the playoffs. Like, I was totally planning on not watching a single game this weekend. Um, I'm going to be watching the Rams game pretty intently uh, with one of my favorite players of all time now coming out of retirement. After two years. Yeah. You know, as bummed as I am for the Chargers, I'm really excited for that man because, yeah, really just a professional class act. I really like Eric Weddle.
0: Let's talk about tight ends. Jared Cook like what's what's going on with jericho because i feel like he started off this season really hot really really well and then he's just making all these mistakes as the season went on with with the drops with the you know not finishing plays and not turning around looking for the ball i i mean how many interceptions were thrown his direction and that's not all on him right but it's like like i really feel like there was a drop off and he was still clutch at moments like he was a big time third down target for us but I think it's time to move on from from Jared Cook this season because I I, I mean 37 38 years old we paid him like seven eight million dollars for a, a one-year contract and you got these guys right underneath Trey McKitty Donald Parham who I mean they look good there there's something to look at there
1: Steven Anderson too you can't forget about that oh, guy Steven who's Anderson kind of like too. the unforgotten fourth um I am totally okay moving away from Jared cook. And I really hate to say it because, you know, I don't know a whole lot what goes on with these players thinking and, and what's going on with them off the field. But to me, just, and this is just my opinion, just looking at the film from the beginning of the year to now, he just looks like a player who spent over 15 years in the league, who is approaching 40 years old, who's his, his heart's not, in it anymore and i i think it might just be time for him to retire um you know and i don't want to put that or force that on him you know that's his own decision as a very yeah oh yeah, uh, incredible um but it just kind of seems like one of those guys he's just not he doesn't have the drive and, and you know to get up every day to put your body through what these players do it, it's a toll it takes a lot of out of you you know there's a reason why at the peak of his career andrew luck walked away from it because it takes a lot out of you emotionally and physically so it I feel like it's one of those things where he might just not have enough in him um you know the heart he might want to play but I just don't know if the body he has a left left in his body he's put his body through a lot
0: yeah I wouldn't say that he doesn't have the drive I feel like he just it feels like he got to that veteran status where he's just like able to I guess get away with more where a younger player like he's not afraid right because he's he's established where a, a younger player like Prima Kitty would get his ear chewed off. You know what I mean? Like mm. uh, it's just a little like different. I feel like, I feel like there is effort left out on the field that he didn't, he, he could have used. Like there's some, some, you know, I, I wouldn't call it drive because drive is like the, the want to play, the want to keep going. And I feel like oh, he wanted and- to keep going, but I feel like he, he took plays off at times. He, he got lazy with routes at times. Um, you know, like there's like a couple times where he's reaching out one hand instead of trying to go at it with two hands. Um,
1: yeah.
0: You know, and I maybe, feel like
1: and then, there's something so, to, to want there, something missing. Uh, then ju- just you saying that because, yeah, there's obviously. He was out there, right? He signed an, he signed a contract to come back. Like, the one, I think, it is, is maybe not as much as... The effort. It, it was just
0: the effort it, at I don't
1: times. know if it was effort. I really, now I'm thinking about it, I think the man might just be very, you know, football ancient. Like, the man has played a long time, has taken a lot of snaps in the National Football League. Um, So I think he might just got to the point where, you know, his body can't really keep up. You know, he wants to be out there. I just don't know if he should know. be I, anymore. Yeah, I, I think he's ran, you know, he's played a hell of a career. And I think he's got to the point where his body is just not doing what he wants it to do. I don't, I don't um, think on
0: 31 other teams he would have played as much as he did this season.
1: No, no. And maybe and maybe that'll be good for him. Maybe he can't be because it's it, it came and burst. right? He was very productive at times. So maybe if we, you know, maybe him a, a, a pass catching only tight end where we roll him out there every once in a while on two tight end sets. Maybe that's kind of what he needs because he he what we've seen this year is he does not have. I mean, he he's just Juice, we can't rely right? on like him. He, we can't
0: rely on him as a number like you tight, Squeezed uh, everything you could have squeezed out of him is what I it think felt so. like.
1: And I think we need to give him a break. He can't be the tight end one and maybe tight end one by name, but it, it needs to be. He can't be playing 8 I'm not bringing of him back snaps. next season, man. I like It's a one
0: year contract, and I'd much rather find a 28, 29 year old guy who can block, um, you know, who can come in in different sets because I really want to develop Donald Parham and I really want to develop uh, Trey McKitty. And McKitty showed. A lot of promise and limited snaps toward the end of the season after Parham went down, and and I really am looking forward to to seeing them in camp next season because there's a lot to develop there. There's a lot of toolsy type attributes that those guys have.
1: I like that. I like our tight end room, uh, and I mean, I was ta- we were talking about it all off season, like position groups. I think it's one of our most complete groups. Um, now, and I, and I really think we don't really need, I, I would like a, a veteran presence, but a veteran presence that, you know, has another four or five year future left, you know, Jared cook, no offense to him. He's retiring any year now. And I think to your point, I would love to be able to get somebody in there who has a little more longevity left in him. Um, so we can develop a core, right? Cause these young guys, they need, I think, a de facto leader. Um, they could, I think each of them have potential to be that guy, but they're young. Um, I love a veteran presence in there. I would like to move away from Jared Cook, though.
0: I get you, man. Um, Rayshawn Slater had an all-pro year. Uh, Matt Filer played extremely well at times. There's some times that I feel like he misses assignments and pass protections. Um, and then Corey Lindsley, obviously, is definitely a run in for the an, an all pro award this year as well. Uh, there's some guys behind them that we didn't get to see too much of. I, I'm thinking specifically of our fifth round draft pick, Brandon Um Got a little bit of Scott Quisenberry. Scott Quisenberry is going to be a free agent. I think mm. this this offensive line needs some depth for sure. yeah. Uh, I think that's something you need to, to squeeze a little bit more out of uh, uh, in the draft and, you know, maybe a, um, a veteran, 28, 29, 30-year-old veteran to, to play backup to some guys. And then, obviously, Odeo Bushi went down really early, but really promising. I did not see a whole lot that I liked out of him out of the preseason, but as soon as week one came through, I was really impressed. And yeah. he seems super excited about all of his guys as well. I mean, I follow him on Twitter. Yeah. Uh, every game, he has – positive things to say about this team about that group seemed like he became like you know one of the brothers basically yeah um so i i'm interested to see if we end up bringing him back off a an acl tear uh he said that he got got it fully replaced so that's interesting i don't really know too much about you know acls and how to uh, create a new one but (laughs) I, i mean if he says it's brand new you know right out of the box then you know, it is what it is. What, what do you see from this offensive line? How did they play against the run? How did they play against the pass? Go left to right, right to left. I don't really care.
1: Well, I I think, you know, when we were on, our offensive line was awesome. And, and our most demoralizing and, and embarrassing losses, they were off. And I think a lot of that inconsistency comes from the right side of the line, you know, right guard goes down our starting right tackle never even plays uh minus like five snaps or something so i don't know i, I it was a, a out of all of the position groups i think it was the one hit the most with inconsistency like we never really got up like just the the line week in week out kind of just changed a little more than other position groups um but i like where the foundation we built the, the left side, I think, is is something to behold. I think we got three really quality players from center to left, all the way out to left tackle. I guess where what makes me happy is we are, I think, a piece or two away from being a really good offensive line. You got a guy like Corey Lindsley who's been there, done that, um, can call out assignments. Out of you know, I think. Corey Lindsley was our run game this year. Oh, right? for sure. He was the reason we had any type of production in that, in that phase of the game. Um, so I think he's invaluable in that Rashon Slater developing, but a phenomenal pass protector and has the strength and the nastiness and the will to be involved in the run game. I, I think, like I said, I think we're just a quality right tackle away from being a very, very good offensive line. I liked, where we are now compared to last year where I had no belief in the future of this unit. Um, now I'm at least excited and looking forward to what this thing could, you know, can grow into because we we saw a lot of promise this year. You know, go back to
0: 2018 when we had Mike Pouncey and, and Russell Kuhn who made the Pro Bowl. Um, both of them made the Pro Bowl in the same year. And that was the year we made playoffs. And then, you know, the 10 years before that and and the couple years after that it was really underwhelming Mm. and I feel like our offensive line was better than it was in 2018 like you just said like we're just two pieces away really we need another guard and another tackle and then you've got some depth behind those guys I mean Trey Pipkins played terrible since his rookie season he comes in for you know two games and he's really impressive like you know, like, the the amount of development that you saw and, and just really limited snaps, like, that's promising as a backup left tackle, as, as, a, backup, a, backup. as a backup, as a swing tack up, right? Um, d- is he going to develop into a starter next season? I I don't know, right? Like, you know, but we did draft him in the third round. When you draft somebody in the third round, you expect him to eventually become a starter. Uh, and in those two games, he played his ass off. Uh, Storm Norton, I think he's a free agent as well. I'm still looking for another starting caliber offensive tackle, whether it's yeah. through the draft. But I'm not looking to – I mean, we're already spending so much money on, on Corey Linsley. Uh You've got your first-round offensive tackle. Uh, Matt Filer signed a, a pretty nice contract as well. I'm looking for another um, Matt Filer type of uh, veteran presence who – Maybe isn't going to to break the bank account, you know, but will provide some stability there. Where you know all you need is average play. Honestly, when you've got two superstars on the offensive line and one of the best run blockers of all of last season in Matt Filer, yeah, you know it's an upcoming group, and I feel like last year was really the start of building that offensive lineup. But I think next year is where. You you go all in and and uh, you know find somebody to stick around for another two three four seasons. Um, I don't think we're going to sign a, a, a Joe Thune, right? Or you know. Well,
1: and what's what's, I mean, and I guess to your point, we don't need to, but we could. I mean, we, we could, are right? in yeah. such a good position to be. You know, like a very strong, talented ras- roster with. Tons of resources and capital to spend. Tons and of I cap space. Also, tons of draft.
0: I also forgot. Like, there's no way we're bringing back Brian Bulaga, right?
1: Like, no I, way. I don't think anybody is bringing back Brian Bulaga in any capacity. Brian Bulaga
0: stole so much money from the Chargers over the last two seasons. I think he played yeah. less than 50 snaps in the over the last two seasons. Like, you know, we signed him to a, a three-year, thirty million dollar contract. And I think we got fifty snaps out of him over the last two seasons. Like it's ah like there's no way we're we gotta cut him, right? Like he can't. Gotta.
1: No, he can't, yeah. And he needs to be shipped out of LA even if we Yeah, he can't let's see here. He did play so, ten games. He played ten games in twenty twenty, but but I limited
0: mean, games, right? Like like a quarter or a half, <laughs> right? Like let's see. I'm going to say he had maybe. Go for it. I'm I'm going to say he had like 80 80 snaps in 2020.
1: So he played 445 snaps in 2020.
0: No way. No way.
1: But it says he played 45 snaps. Yeah, this is it said he plays 45 snaps this year. They're like double counting snaps.
0: No way. Because he he played like a quarter. Yeah. Like he he played played like a a quarter.
1: What is this talking about? One game. Well, he played in one game and had a holding penalty.
0: This season, nice. We got a a holding (laughs) penalty.
1: (sighs) That's what. That's what our contract bought was a one holding holding penalty penalty and somebody to.
0: He played wing on uh, on uh, (laughs) uh, field goal units. He was always out there on field goal units. I always saw him out there just sitting in his past set and just sticking his arm out. And you paid him $10 million a year to do that for (laughs) whatever. There's no way you're bringing back Brian Bulaga when he just stole all that money. And, you know, you just didn't get the production. I was really excited about the Brian Bulaga signing. And it really sucks for him because, I mean, baby Bulaga, like, I, like he just Iowa. Hit a
1: wall. <laughs> yeah it but just it, couldn't get healthy just could not do it it's tough to play in the nfl you know there's a reason why the average lifespan of an nfl player is like less than two years it, it's people don't last in, long in this league so um whenever you are able to be an all pro for five plus seasons be in the league for over 10 it's a hell of a career um all jokes aside it he yeah. has not been productive since joining the Chargers. No.
0: Um, I feel, feel like we have one more position group to talk about, and that's our defensive backs. Uh, Asante Samuel Jr., probably one of the best corner rookie corners in the entire NFL, I would say right behind Patrick Sertain. Maybe Nate Hobbs because Nate Hobbs really had a, a, a great season uh, for us. But then you have Derwin James, who was the MVP. He was a heart and soul when he was not in the lineup, Chargers really, oh, really struggled. When he was in the lineup, you had a chance. Uh, I talked about Michael Davis. I feel like Michael Davis regressed a little bit. Uh, I don't think he played badly by any means, right? But I, I feel like him switching schemes, playing more man, playing more bump coverage, um, it's really did, didn't fit the skill set that was developed in him as a cover yeah. three corner under Gus Bradley but you know he's 26 27 years old and he's hitting the prime and he's really not expensive 8 million dollars a year and i feel like the contract he signed he played with inside of like he he we it's not like we overpaid on a regressing corner like he he no. played fine he played about as well as you'd expect under somebody who's making 8 million dollars a year
1: well, and, and i feel like
0: he's an ascending player
1: ascending i, I think i I, get, I think I'm right there with you where I'm, I'm a little disappointed with Michael Davis just because I thought we had, you know, a top 10 guy at the position. Um, I really did. I thought he had th- all the potential to be a top corner in this league. And to your point, he wasn't bad, but I was expecting excellence. Um, yeah. But he, and he played really well. Um, so nothing against Yeah, like, him, like I don't I think I of him as a liability. Excellence. I don't think we need to upgrade from him.
0: Uh, as an outside corner, especially like he's six two, like he's, he's
1: so big and, and fast. We don't have speed like that really on this roster. Straight line speed.
0: He's, he's not really quick. He's got just kind of straight line speed. And I think that's kind of what hurts him in this defense is when you look at his intangibles, you look at a big body who can hold guys up at the line of scrimmage, but any type of route runner is, I mean, he's not, he's not quick. He's fast. Like he's just flies and he's big. He's a big, strong guy who still misses tackles here and there. But overall, like for what you're paying him, you're getting exactly what you're expecting.
1: That's fair. Well, and I really think, I mean, if you, you invest a first round or a second round pick in the secondary or go after one of these top top free agents, I really think this the potential is there. You know, DJ Asante Samuel, those are very very talented Good building players, box, yeah. And so for me like I really want another outside corner, not because we need one, but because it would make this team better. It would be able we would be able to deploy Asante Samuel from the slot where we've always thought that that was where he was going to excel. So not do we need it? No, but it just makes this team it, it takes the secondary from being a mediocre okay unit to being a very elite one the reason i want just one player
0: yeah the reason i want something samuel in the slot is because he's so damn twitchy and aggressive he needs to
1: be closer to the line of sermon scur- and the yeah bl- like and I, the I, I
0: i want to get him in on tackles um you know I, I want him playing closer to the ball and i just see so many pick sixes just flying in from like dude like that would be such a good position for him to play now granted he, he can play outside. He offers that flexibility, right? But I feel like he would really be even better as a slot defender. Like, it'd be scary for teams who want to throw into the flats or run pitches or, you know, these little well, rub routes because he's going to – I mean, he's not even that big of a player. He's just like – he's his dead. He's just aggressive.
1: Well, and what I like about – to me, what I see in, in Asante is a, just a more – Agile, more compact DB version of Derwin James because Derwin James is not a DB. That man is is built like a linebacker. Like he should be playing. He tackles totally a, like a linebacker too. I mean, he's built. He's he is a football player. Um, But to me, Asante Samuel Jr. has that potential to be a, another money type of player that can be moved all over the place. That can be effective everywhere. And to be able to have two guys like that potentially watch out you know add you some time and,
0: and put them both off the edge like that you know how they that, like the ran this year Adderley and Derwin James off the edge on opposite yeah. sides oh that's my that's what I was envisioning that would that's be insane that, and, and then, that was the
1: and, first thing that came into
0: yeah me. and then you also have the ability to, to bump him back outside and let Derwin come into the slot if you want to do that like there's it so be, many things you can do with Asante Samuel Jr's skill sets that he could be one of those pieces you could move all around the field you can put him in that dime money. You can put him, you know, in the slot. You can put him out wide. You can even rotate him like Chris Harris Jr. did back into mm-hmm. to safety at times. Chris Harris Jr. needs to be replaced. Like, he's gotten so slow, like, overall. Yeah. And while I still think he's got that intelligence thing, he doesn't – I don't feel like he has the physical attributes to really, you know, play, play with some of these guys because – when I saw him lined up on Hunter Renfo on Sunday, the entire time I'm like, "Oh God, oh God!" Like he just—he's a smart, instinctual player. Who's—I mean, age has caught up with him. Let's be real. Let's be honest. Like that's what it is. You know? Would you have rather have had Chris Harris Jr. or would you have rather had Casey Hayward playing in the slot? And Casey didn't play in the slot at all. But I mean, he's done it before, and he yeah. played much, much better at the same exact age. We let go of the wrong guy last season.
1: Yeah, yeah. And it's tough to say, but we definitely did. Um, We definitely did. Chris Harris Jr.'s performance this year was such a letdown because, well, and really his his whole tenure here was such a letdown because the dude was just an absolute charger destroyer. Like how many pick sixes against us? How many seasons did that guy personally end? Tons. Um, you, I mean, we so saw really, a lot of
0: fun matchups with him and Keenan Allen over the years.
1: And I was so happy to not have to game plan for him. But, you know, the last couple of years with him being on my team, I kind of wish we were game planning for him. Because um, <laughs> Yeah, I think this is really, his
0: last season. There's no way you're going to bring Chris Harris back.
1: No and it's way. Like, it, he's, he, he came to, he's kind of in the same realm as the Belaga, the Jared Cooks. Great, great careers. He kind of just hit a wall. Yeah, you can only do it for so long. And then Nasir Adderley had, I would say Nasir
0: Adderley had somewhat of a breakout season. Like he made uh, a lot of good plays. And I, the number one play that comes to my mind, the Broncos game where he he blew up the, uh, the Philly special. And it was like, wow. Wow, he came in like a bullet. Nasir Adderley and I, yeah. really improved from last year to this year. I know he was a, a liability at times last season. This year... I mean, he made his mistakes, but he made his fair share of plays. He made his fair share of shoestring tackles. And, I mean, this is his really his second full year as a starter, and Mm -hmm. there's a lot of promise there. Uh, We got him under contract for another two seasons. Or, no, just next season. Next season, because of his rookie year, he was out. Last year was his first full year. This year was his first year under um, new coaching staff. But, I mean, I think Nassir Adderley really – um, really impressed the, the coaching staff, his own teammates. Like he, he balled out this
1: year. He took some steps forward. I, I think, you know, I think from last year to this year, I think last year he was really a backup starting because of poor roster construction. We just didn't have any other free safeties. So he kind of played. I think now he established himself as no, he's a legit starter in this league. He can be a starter and he's, he's getting better. Um, you said it. He made mistakes, but you you, you play free safety. You, you you're a gambler. That's kind of it, it, it comes with the territory. So um, yeah, especially I, as I,
0: a single high safety, like playing that specific role where you have to worry about both sides of the field. Yeah, sometimes you make like, the wrong
1: decisions. And like to your point, it's his second year starting. Um, I think, but what we what I think what I was trying to say is he was a depth player who has now established himself as. A starter. Yeah. Um,
0: The Chargers did not have a very good punting unit. I I know uh, Ty Long was toward the end of of net punting average. Uh, We had some upgrades, though, on the special teams units. Uh, Number one being Andre Roberts, who made really just one mistake all season. Uh, A a major mistake at the worst possible time. But, I mean, he was at the very...
1: It was his birthday, too. Yeah, it was...
0: It was a big bummer for him. You could see it on his face during the game that that one really ate at him because, you know, he probably beats himself up up for, you know, helping them lose that game. But I mean, he was at the very top of the league in in return average and uh, he took one back, nearly took like three back, like pretty close.
1: I was waiting for that. Yeah, because he he had he was very close to multiple yeah. times.
0: Uh, there's a good chance that I think he comes back next season, even at 34 years old, because he's still getting it done, still getting it done. Um, and then kicker Dustin Hopkins, you know, with the Chargers going for it so often on fourth down, it makes me wonder if he wants to resign, right? If because he's not going to get very many opportunities to kick. I the Chargers had the least field goals made of any team. I think, because they just don't kick field goals. Like, it's it's just not what Brandon Staley does. So it makes me wonder how how badly, you know, Dustin Hopkins wants to come back if he's not going to get those same opportunities just based off the scheme and the belief system of Brandon Staley. Um, but, you know, there's a, a Reza from San Diego State the kicker who's, oh, this dude, like, had two punts. Over eighty yards last season, like that's that's insane. I, well, I do think that there's a change coming to our punter next season.
1: Well, I, I would like that. I was, I mean, I was, I wanted it to be this year for the you know Aussie, Australian football player. I was all, I was ready to move on from Tai Long this season. Um, just he has no, I was okay
0: has, with him this season because I still feel like he's got a little bit of a big
1: leg. Um, I do think we had, huh? But he doesn't, he, he's always towards the bottom on net average and then, and has no accuracy and is always on the bottom of
0: that's where it comes down to is
1: I think he's got a powerful
0: leg, but I, I feel like he's trying to, to spot the ball in certain locations and try not to outkick coverage. And there's times where he's out kicking coverage and that turns into net return yards and then other times it's you know not not pinning the ball where he wants to pin it because I don't think he had very many like inside the twenty inside the ten like I couldn't think of almost any punts this season that landed anywhere near the goal line.
1: So the game against the Broncos was his best game. He had three punts in that game, a fifth uh, like a, a one of out of the end zone that was like a net of fifty five that. The punt returner ended up muffing that we recovered, and then two other punts, both inside the 20. But that was like it. And I was almost, oh yeah, that was it. Um,
0: so I just don't think that I he think, developed enough over the last what four seasons he's been with the Chargers now.
1: Too long. I, I think he's like a classic example of he has le- leg talent, but he's not a punter. Um, no, you know, the, the strength and, and the talent necessarily is there, but he can't do the job. So maybe, you know, send him to the MLS, have him kick some, you know, free kicks. But he he's not a punter. He's not good at the job that we're asking him to do.
0: I mean, he was good at kicking him out of the end zone. I know he filled in as an actual kicker there for a while. I just don't think he developed that part of his game to really direction his kicks. And there's times where he really did outkick his coverage often, which helped with the returns, put a lot of pressure on on the special teamers to, to make open field tackles, which you never want your special teams units to do. You want to gang tackle. That's, you know, that's kind of how you train your, your, you know, punk coverage units is you gang tackle. He's going to pin it in this spot. You got to get down there, you know, this many seconds, make sure you guys are in your running lanes. and, And instead you're getting these, you know, having to not, Having to make open field tackles as a punt coverage unit is never a
1: good thing. No. Well, and what I think doesn't really bode well for him is the Chargers special teams units have been the worst or towards the worst for a long, long time. Again, this year, Ty Long is the- Lots of
0: blocked punts, lots of really close block
1: punts. Now, at this point, Ty Long is the only consistent thing that has They've, remained the yeah. same through the whole thing. So I, I think it, it's not even necessarily that he's played bad. Like he's just, he he's hasn't progressed enough. He's been here a lot too long. They're going to, I think the front office kind of looks at the results. He's been here the whole time. I, I think it's just time to move on. Like maybe he gets another shot somewhere else. I don't think he has done enough while he's been here to warrant another contract here in Los Angeles.
0: So, yeah, I feel like we broke down the entire roster, which is something I thought we were going to do in a few weeks from now. But um, <laughs> this is the last episode of the Shock Therapy podcast, season one. Stay tuned as we move on to season two of the Shock Therapy podcast. I think we're going to take a little bit of a break here. Uh, enjoy some playoffs, football. Uh, I'm in the middle of moving, packing um, Nearly packed up all my podcast equipment before this pod. Uh, But, you know, a couple weeks, I think it would be a good time to come back. We'll start talking about free agency. Uh, We'll talk about our own impending free agents. Uh, We'll talk about the NFL draft. We'll bring you guys a ton of draft coverage. And then let's focus in on season two of uh,
1: the Brandon Staley era. It's going to be fun. Got to leave it on a high note. The future's bright in Los Angeles. We got a good team. Could be worse. We could be the Panthers. We could be the Seahawks. We're not. We're the future's bright. So let's look forward to that. And we got a
0: team bought in around our head coach. A team bought in around our star quarterback. And we got a lot of stars on this team still under contract.
1: And this offseason is going to be fun. Tons of cap space to to mess around with. Eleven draft picks the team that we are going to assemble this off this is going to be a fun insightful eventful offseason and we're gonna have you covered the whole way through yeah
0: I can't remember a single time we've had this much money to spend in free agency it's going to be exciting and there's going to be a lot of turnover and I'm expecting a totally different looking team come next season so thank you guys so much for listening we'll talk to you guys again in a few weeks Uh, We'll be active on Twitter. You can get at me, at LAC Shock Therapy, at The Master Bowl, and at Zach Alfers. Thank you guys so much for listening. We'll talk to you guys soon.
2: Sheath Underwear makes the most comfortable boxer briefs I've ever worn. If you're sick of boxers that are too loose or briefs that are too tight, Sheath is for you. The most comfortable boxer briefs you'll ever put on your body. You see, their stretchy fabric is made out of a moisture-wicking technology. They're super soft, keep everything cool and comfortable, and right in place. Sheath is particularly useful for staying cool while working out. Promo code IHEART for 20% off your order. Sheathunderwear.com. Promo code IHEART.